Are you a fan of vampires? Then check out Vlada a Dracula Tale on Facebook and on Twitter for more information about an exciting new graphic novel coming soon from me and artist Ken Hunt. We take the entire story of Dracula and we gender swap the cast. This is not your traditional graphic novel. It's very akin to the Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein that you may have seen or read about. Amazing black and white illustrations and covers by Ken Hunt, as well as by Tim Vigil, Kara Nicole, and many others contributing to this amazing project. Keep an eye on the Vlada A Dracula Tale Facebook and Twitter for more information about the exciting Kickstarter coming late October. In the shadows you can hear the sound The rumble of a haunted house Cries the banshee, a terror of the wind go You also can't see if there's nowhere to go It's the creature Welcome back to a new episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore here on the Radio Horror Network. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mel Heflin, his co-host. And today, in the return of our podcast, after a year, after you heard our EW episode, (laughs) (laughs) we are talking about Death Takes a Holiday, which is... um, not so much about a creature itself, but about an experience that people are having throughout the episode. And uh, Mel has the plot synopsis for us, but we also have a guest on the show with us uh, that has had a near-death experience. Mel, introduce who the guest is. We have Cody, let me know if I'm saying your last name right, Musser? Musser. Musser. Yes. Cody Musser. Thanks for coming on with us today. Sure. Thanks for having me. Mel, go to the plot synopsis for the episode about the guys. Um, season four, episode 15, Sam and Dean try to find out why people in a small town are having near-death experiences with alarming frequency going into the spirit world. This was originally aired March 12, 2009. Now, Cody, you've had a uh, near-death experience? That's correct. Well, <clears throat> when did that happen and what was it like? So my first experience happened in 2016, very late in December. So I, I donated my liver to a man. Um, I think I was like the 4,000 something uh, living donor. And I had to have a procedure where I had a chest tube put in. I coded on the machine. Now I wasn't like hooked up to machines or anything. It was a very unexpected thing that happened. So we're not sure you know, how long, um, I was out. Um, but I, I had to be resuscitated while I was out. I mean, I remember the, I remember basically dying, um, very vividly, obviously. Um, it was very painful. And while I was unconscious, uh, I wasn't aware of what was happening with my body, but I was acutely aware of everything that was going on in the hospital around me. My mom was in my hospital room, like nine floors above where this procedure was happening. And I could see her there. I could see the nurses walking around on the floor. I could tell what she was wearing. And I hadn't seen her that day yet. Um, I, I, could, I could sort of see like my fam- other family members that weren't in the hospital. Um, I also um, could see my grandfather who passed when I was six. 
Um, we didn't, I don't remember much of a conversation we had. I just remember it being so vivid and like there was so much color and I wouldn't say it was supernatural. Like it didn't feel, it didn't feel odd in any way. It just felt like it felt good. Like I felt really good at peace, euphoric almost. Um, it was, it was bizarre. It took me back for sure. But when it was over, I was being resuscitated and I was getting from what I can tell fentanyl in my arm to relax my diaphragm. And that made me feel like crap. Like I, it was almost like uh, I was coming down from a high when I came back. So it's very strange after the fact, but I actually had two experiences in the, like within the, a very short time. So I had this chest tube put in and then two, like two or three weeks later, I developed sepsis and pneumonia from this drain, not, not functioning correctly. And I actually died again, this time under monitoring. And I was actually gone for about 45 seconds. Um, and I woke up to a nurse doing chest compressions and it was very much the same thing. I was seeing these lights and colors and I was like, it's very bizarre, but like, I felt like I was becoming this, like these colors. Um, I, I almost experienced like what it's like not to exist. You kind of get this feeling like you are becoming uh, a part of something that is huge, not so much like I'm joining it, but like you, it's almost like you're going home. You, you feel like you're going somewhere you belong. Like this is what your destiny is and you feel like you've accomplished everything and everything feels really good. It's, it's very hard to put into words because there's so much going on at the time that it's like you only get a certain uh, piece of remembering, you know, what's going on. Did you bring anything back with you to have proof of this near-death experience that you say? Well, so when I went back, the first time that this happened, when I went, when I was on my way back to my hotel or to my, uh, my hospital room, I had to go for imaging first because they wouldn't let me go back to my room without x-rays. And I was waiting for, um, I was waiting for the, they have these transport people that push you around on beds. And I was really sick of sitting in bed. So I started walking around and I must've been down there for about two hours. My mom thought that my procedure was only going to be 15 minutes. And in the time that I had to be down in this, on this one level, she didn't know where I was. She didn't know what was going on. And the night staff had come on and they didn't even know that I had been admitted. So she couldn't get any answers on what was going on with me and where I was. And she sort of knew that something was wrong and I could tell like I knew that she was, you know, kind of freaking out, not knowing what was going on. And as soon as I like walked up to the nurse's station, I told them, I'm like, hey, my mom is upstairs. I kind of like need to call her. And she answered the phone in my room. And I said, hey, mom, I'm okay. Um, you know, don't, don't worry about, you know, what's going on. I said, you, you should have you packed a bag. She said, what do you mean? I, 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 you know, why would I pack a bag? 
I was like, well, I can tell that you didn't bring, you know, the right stuff because you're going to be here for a couple of days. So she's like, well, how did you know, you know, that I was even here? I said, well, I don't know. I guess I kind of just knew. And I couldn't explain to her that I had, that I hadn't seen her. Like I hadn't seen her that day. It was hard for me to explain to her, you know, that I had seen her in the room. And it was like, she was like, well, did they tell you I was here? I said, no, I haven't talked to anybody. Um, she was like, okay, well, I just got here like, you know, an hour ago. They told me you were only going to be, you know, downstairs in this thing for like 15 minutes. And it was very, uh, we had this kind of like moment where we didn't know what to say to each other because she's like, well, I, what do you mean you saw me? And like, what do you mean? that you you coded like so she's more concerned about the fact that I pretty much died than this like thing that happened and that kind of frustrated me because I wanted to talk about this thing that happened to me and she wanted to be like oh my god you're you died this is ridiculous this is crazy I'm never leaving typical mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> right right it sounds really intense it, it, it was it was absolutely life-changing like my life literally turned on a dime at that moment. Like it, you have to kind of understand who I am as a person to know how much uh, happened after this experience. So I was a youth pastor and I was, you know, a devout Christian and like, I never would seek out like mediumship or, or talk to a spiritualist. I thought that stuff was hokey. I'm a, I'm absolutely 100% a non-believer in a lot of the stuff like a lot of the paranormal and whatnot. I find it interesting, of course, but like, I, I never really thought anything about it. I mean, I'm like, uh, anybody can say they have a feeling. Anybody can say they have an experience and like 99% of it can't be corroborated. So, you know, I don't, I don't believe that this kind of thing can happen. And when this happened, it like completely turned my life around. I mean, I began seeking uh, experiences Um like I began traveling more. I mean, what you kind of get is this feeling like nothing matters on this planet except love. Love seems to be like the only thing that, that you care about when you die. Like you, you, you just kind of regret all the, all the things you've done to not show all the love that you have, that you could have shown. And that's like, the mass that's the only feeling so i i began like seeking out you know helping more and doing more and i also began um this like sort of spiral into depression because i'm back on this plane or whatever you want to call it and i can't really i don't know how to get back to that feeling i had it's almost like a high that you're chasing all the time you know you're you're like i don't want to come back to this you you get this feeling in your experience or in, at least in my experience like i want to come i don't want to come back to this plane i want to stay here where this is because like you don't like so i have back problems and knee problems and like depression and anxiety and all those things go away completely vanish it's like the biggest sigh of relief you can imagine and you're like, I, I don't want to go. Like, I, this is awesome. This whole experience is great. I don't want to leave this. But you get this, like, 
I, I don't want to know that like I, I heard voices or anything, but you kind of get this feeling like it's almost um, extra sensory perception where so, something is telling you, well, you, you know, this is not, you're not staying here. Like you're, you're not, this isn't where you're ending up. You just happen to be passing through here. You're going back. And you kind of rail against that, or at least I did. I, I, I sort of was like, no, you know, screw that. I'm not, I'm not going back. That place sucks. Like, it's just not where I want to be. And it's kind of, you get this feeling like we don't care. This is not how it's going to go. So I, I had, it's, it's weird to, you know, come back. And then now I know what, what it could be, what it could feel like to die. And I wouldn't say that I'm like, trying to die but i do sort of look forward to it in a way death doesn't scare me anymore um like i i have taken more risks in my life since then because i'm not as afraid as i used to be if that makes sense yeah did you fear death before before your near-death experience uh i did but less than most people i think so i was in the military and uh, I, I saw some pretty serious stuff and I was never afraid until after it was over. I realized that, you know, like how, how close I had come to death, but it never really stopped, stopped me from doing the things I love to do. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big risk taker anyway. I like to rock climb and I like to be outdoors and hiking and I really like to be alone. So I do these things by myself. I don't usually tell anybody where I'm going. So it's obviously not the safest way to, to do that. Um, but I was, I was always like cautious, you know, like, well, you know, if I'm going to go somewhere that's particularly dangerous, I'll make sure I tell people and things like that. And now I just like, am willy nilly. Like I'll just go, I'll just, sometimes I just get in, in my truck and just drive me and the dog just will go somewhere. Like, don't tell anybody anything could happen. You just, I never know, you know? So like now it's not, like I said, it's not like I'm trying to die, but like I'm welcome the thought of it almost it's, it's bizarre and it's kind of morbid to think about that way. I, I feel like I can understand that if I experienced that and, you know, I felt like I was going home and then yeah. I was no longer going home. Yeah. I, I guess. I could understand the feeling. I guess it's kind of like going on vacation. You, you go on vacation. You're like, now I got to go back and face the real world. And like the vacation's over and it was fun, but it was over way too quick. And you kind of feel like that. You kind of, and, and not only that, but like, it's a place you'll never go again until like it's over. And, and that is very depressing. Makes life seem kind of sad. Yeah, it does kind of, but I have also been able to find the the better things in life since then. Like I have been able to see and appreciate some things that I had taken advantage of, or maybe didn't appreciate to its fullest extent before this all happened. So like, you know, just being outside is like, well, this is, you know, this is wonderful. Like I love being outside, but like now I realize this is probably the closest thing I'm going to get to that feeling. So I should learn to appreciate it more. Uh, loved ones, I, I, you know, family members I hadn't reached out to for years and friends that I would like not talk to for weeks at a time. And then 
we would get together and it was like, we never stopped talking, but like, I have stopped doing that. I check up on everybody now. I want to be more connected and people seem like, you know, they go, well, you know, what's going on with you? You never used to like blow my phone up and what's happening. And I'm just like, I, I just want to see how you are. I just want to, you know, check in and I just kind of miss you. And I've been a little more loving in that way. And that hasn't been received very well by a lot of people. I, I seem to smother people now just because like I care about how they feel and what's going on. And I, that, I feel like that is an absolute direct result of the experience I had. Do you ever have like nightmares about everything? Absolutely. So one thing I have brought with me since the experience um, are, are nightmares and dreams. And my dreams are probably more uh, profound, I think, than the experience itself. So the year after I donated my liver in 2017, my father died of kidney cancer. And I was very close to him. Um, we didn't have a great relationship growing up, but we definitely rekindled that at the end. Um, so I had a dream about him and he, I, it didn't feel like a dream. I felt like he was really there. And this was like maybe um, seven or eight months after he had passed. And I had for the, for the father's day before this in 2016, I bought him a, ra a brand new ratchet set. Right. And I needed the ratchet set. And in the dream, we're like talking. I'm like, Hey dad, you know, what's, what's going on? How, how is everything? He, I, he's like, well, you know, it's okay. Uh, I'm like, what's heaven like? He's like, you know, it's paradise. And that's kind of how I would have explained it also. I said, so hey, before, while I've got you, uh, I, I can't find your ratchet set. And he told me where the ratchet set was. He was like, well, so I were, he was working on my dryer, my dryer. And he left my ratchet set in a part of my basement that I never go in. It's like storage. So I know Mel from reenacting and this is where I keep all my reenacting stuff. All my world war II stuff is over there. I would have never put my ratchet set over there. Like I, and, and I would have never found it for years and years. I probably still wouldn't know where it is if I hadn't asked him, but he told me and I found it like the next day. So this sort of thing has happened to me kind of a lot. Like I have actually, I feel like I have conversed with people who have moved on since my experience it feels it, a little know, good it, it's really interesting that exactly what you described how it feels like you're in a dream but not really a dream yeah um, I experienced that with my mom yeah it, it like, seems exactly like that it seems a little bit weird to talk about because like obviously it's kind of a taboo in this society that you talk about an experience because everybody's like, well, I'm not, this guy's nuts. You know, nobody, you don't know me from Adam. You know, I could be completely just full of crap, but like, I don't feel like anybody who's had the same experience that I've had wants to get attention from it. It just seems like people all over the place are having these experiences. And I've gone to like, um, seminars and meetings and almost everybody has the same kind of experience like there are you know minor details that change but it's so warming to know other people have had these experiences 
because then I don't feel so crazy. Because for a while, I just didn't talk about it because I'm like, there's for sure nobody's going to believe me. I'm going to be committed because this is not a part of science that people want to talk about. But it's just very unusual that people are having experiences where they have no brain activity. They're, they're clinically dead. Their mind is dead or their brain is dead, but their mind is, is onward. Like they, they bring back memories from this experience and their brain is supposedly not functioning at all. So it helps to know that there's other people that have the same experience. And that has given me the courage to like discuss it more with people in my life. And, and they have seen how I've changed and they've seen like how I do things differently. And they all can agree that like this one pivotal moment in my life changed literally everything about me. Yeah. I mean, this is like stuff you hear about like unsolved mysteries and, and you never, I mean, their, their stories are sometimes similar and sometimes so different. And it's really hard to say whether or not, um, you can truly believe in something like this unless you've actually obviously experienced it. And yeah. then people have died and come back to life like all the time. I mean, it probably happens like every single day in a hospital. Yeah. You know, re people being resuscitated mm -hmm. from the brink of death or death. You know, they flatline and they keep trying because there's still brain activity enough to bring them back. Right. Um, near death comas. People go into, you know, uh, medical induced comas. Comas yeah. are, you're basically dead almost, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's for your own, you know, benefit to be in a coma. So they could do a procedure on you possibly, or relief brain swelling, things like that. People come out and they're perfectly fine. And uh, I'm, they, they have, you know, stories of like just experiencing, seeing everything around them that they couldn't be able to see normally. Right. So, and I believe in science a hell a lot more than I believe in the supernatural. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of weight in the supernatural. Um, Mel seems like a more believer than me, and I am an extreme skeptic. And mm. on this podcast, um, constantly making fun of the things that I don't <laughs> believe in because it's just like, well, I haven't seen a ghost. I've been in places that are supposed to be ghosts, and the ghosts didn't come to me. So I you just haven't seen one yet. What? You just haven't seen one yet. No, I haven't seen one yet. Yet. No, as long as the ghost is like the ghost in Ghostbusters with Ray, that's that's what I want to experience. You yeah, want to be slimed. I want to yeah. be slimed with her mouth. <laughs> yes, I'm the same way. Like I've been to a lot of places. Like with reenacting, I've been to a lot of historical places. I spent like probably not consecutively ten or twelve nights at Fort Mifflin in in Philadelphia. That's supposed to be one of the most haunted locations in, in the country. I didn't experience a single thing. I got scared one night. The cat wanted in, and then the cat slept with me on my cot. And that was like the closest thing to a paranormal event that I can, can say besides this, you know, this near-death experience. The, the other thing that's crazy is when I talked to my nurses about it. So the first people I told was, like, I had this one really cool nurse that I knew by, her, her name's Diane, and she was... Uh, she was probably one of the older nurses on the floor, but she had, you could tell that she had seen some shit. And like, I, I brought it up to her and she was like, you know, this happens all the time on this floor. Cause that floor is all like people who have had donations or have donated. And a lot of them are like having rejection issues and they're 
you know, going in and out all the time. And a lot of them don't make it. So they're all very close to death, regardless of their condition on that floor. She said, I can't tell you how many times like we'll be in a room and a doctor will come onto the floor and go, uh, what's going on with the patient in room 12? Um, you know, their, their chart isn't there on the bed. And the nurse very matter of factly goes, well, they're going to die. And the doctor's like, what are you talking about? They're going to die. How do you know that? How do you know he's going to die? She said, well, he's seeing his grandmother and his, and his dad. And he's like, you're nuts. This is not scientific science. This is not like you're, 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 you're condemning this dude to die because he's seeing his dead relatives. And like all the other nurses can have been around this so much that they just kind of like, no, when they start seeing their, their relatives that have passed on or they're getting messages or dreams or, or hallucinations, whatever you want to call it, they just know that's the time's coming. And sure enough, like within a few days, that's it. They're gone. As a so former she, CNA, I can 100% completely confirm this. Yeah. Like I've it's, seen this happen. Yeah, it's really bizarre. And then like after a person dies, you can feel that. Like you, I, it's very weird to explain, but like I've been around death a lot, like where I wasn't necessarily in danger, but I was in the room with them or I happened to be very close to them when they died. There's a, you can sort of feel that energy in the in the atmosphere around you like it's very bizarre to feel that and i i have felt that but like you go well maybe i'm just like chalking it up to um like well i know they died and maybe that makes me feel weird that i'm around a dead person and that must be the heaviness that i feel but after this experience i've been much more aware of like you know the feeling i get and and my feelings have changed like i can feel a change when i feel like there's I don't know, something going on. Like, so for example, I was hiking with my friends in October, just this past October. And, um, I was, I wasn't like off my meds or anything. I, I have, I take depression medic medication and, uh, I had, I hadn't missed a pill or anything like that. We're hiking in Tennessee. There's 10 of us. And the first night on Friday, I just felt really depressed. Like something was really heavy. Something was really off. I almost wanted to get back in the van and just drive back 10 hours back home because I just felt so crappy. And it, this went on for about five or six hours and then it was over and I kind of pushed it off like it was no big deal. And when I got home on Sunday, I had left my dog with my mom to babysit. And while I was gone she she let my dog out and he got out on the road and got hit by a car and was killed oh. and it was like the single most devastating thing in my life and he was seven years old he was a corgi lab he was the most loving sweetest dog you'd ever want to meet and I I told all my friends about it I told all my friends on Friday night how crappy I felt and how depressed I was and they were all with me because we, I'd rented a van. So they were all with me at my house when my mom told me that he'd been hit. And it's, and my depression that night started like right around the same time that he was hit. And I don't know if that correlates to my experience, but it's too profound to not be, it's too coincidental. I've never had the feeling before or since. Mm. So I, I don't know. I don't know if we just have this 
this wavelength that we can tune into. I don't know if like you need to have an experience like I've had to be able to feel those things. I just, I've had, I've had experiences that I can't explain. And until my experience with near death, I never had something that was like definitively, absolutely, yes, this is something that, you know, is supernatural or paranormal or whatever. It was like, well, that's an odd coincidence or that's a, that's an odd happenstance. But so much of science starts off that way. I mean, like in 1800, if you would tell people about, you know, germs, you'd, you'd be committed. You know, people, people be like, you're nuts. There's no, that's not a thing. Right. Well, uh, we're on a time limit with our uh, Zoom call. So we'll, uh, yeah. Cody, appreciate you coming on to talk about your near-death experience um, and to uh, share what uh, something that uh, neither one of us has had a, you know, much experience with. So I appreciate that uh, so much. It's uh, incredibly early Sunday morning. Yeah. I, I thanks for having me on. It was great to talk about it. Um, I, w I hope more people tune in and listen because people are having these experiences. And if we all just listen to the message that, that people bring back, I think everybody would be a lot happier. Gotcha. Yeah, totally. Understand. Again, Cody, thank you so much for coming on. Sure. Thank thanks, you. Guys. Great talking to you. You as well. Thanks, guys. So, Mel, do you have any other research uh, that you've looked up about near-death experiences? By the way, did you know that Death Takes the Holiday is the most one of the top 25 commonly used titles for a television show? Really? Your TV? Yeah, let me just name off some examples of what Death Takes the Holiday has been used for that you might know of. Charmed, <laughs> MASH, Murder, She Wrote. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And it's also the name of two movies from 1934 and 1971. There was actually a Family Guy episode about almost a very similar thing to this as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's called Death Takes a Holiday. It didn't come up as a uh, Death Takes a Holiday in the search. And just typing in Death Takes a Holiday, uh, Supernatural pops up as well. But uh, yeah, Murder, She Wrote, Bash. <laughs> thought that was kind of funny. <coughs> but do you have some other experiences of... of, uh, of um, you know, near-death um, experiences before we uh, before we go. So, uh, you know what Cody said, it falls completely in line with the textbook, the loss of the fear of death, detachment from the body, feeling of floating, total serenity and warmth, possibly a white light. Um, and then sometimes hearing family members or God or some sort of voices, all of those. Wow. Awesome. But did you know that also sometimes near-death experiences particularly in cases where the person is a negative, like bad person, and mm, let's say they're going to H-E double hockey stick, um, they can experience sensation of complete anguish and distress from having a near-death experience. Really? Um, I couldn't find any um, like quotes or anything from that, but it is marked and it was in... Um, where's the name of the study? I have the doctor's name right here. Jeffrey Long, MD, studied near-death experiences from Missouri Medicine. He interviewed 1,122 patients, and of those, he believed that 962 of those cases 
the experiences were definitely real and only one he categorized as definitely not real. So there has been scientific studies about this. In the um, episode, the character Alistair is embodied by both Andrew Wheeler and Christopher uh, Hayder Hall, but uh, Jared and Jensen had no problem identifying the same character with different faces. Pamela asked Dean, tell me something, Gina says, even if you do uh, break into the veil and you find the Reaper, how are you going to save it? And Dean says, with style and class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, working with other non-corporal entities in the episode was a fun challenge, according to the supervisor, uh, Charlie Crutcher, who says, how to characterize ghosts is always a challenge. Do ghosts make sounds? Do they breathe? Editor Nicole Baer elaborates the ghost rules were discussed quite a lot, actually. Once Sam and Dean become ghosts, you don't hear any of their footsteps. They were carefully removed by the sound editors. Oh, wow. Apparently, I helped the boys become ghosts, but in the end, she's the one who leaves the body for good, and her death scene was a terrifying experience for Tracy Dindewoddle. The blood they used was chocolate syrup, and it freaked me out, she said, because I'm pretty avid about not partaking in sugar. It raises my blood sugar, and then it drops me hormonally, and I'm a wreck. So I try to abstain from it in every way possible. The thing is, I was completely helpless. I had a double contact in my eyes, and I had to be directed to the bed. Relatable. Now, we don't get death in this episode, right? Because death doesn't introduce to, like, season five. Right. Because he's one of the four horsemen. Yeah, and then uh, an episode after that, Dean becomes right. the Right, a uh, few episodes later, it's the uh, death gives Dean his ring, and they share a pizza together. Yeah. And that actor remains death until Ruby comes along. You know, the old death until uh, Ru- Ruby <clears throat> Yeah, so... Oh, Billy, anybody, Billy, not Ruby, Billy. Sorry, Billy. Okay. Um, if anybody wants to learn more about near-death experiences, there is a 2014 movie called Heaven is for Real about a young boy who told his parents that he visited heaven. It's based on a book that sold 10 million copies and spent 206 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, my God. There's like a dozens of near-death movies. Uh, heaven, uh, heaven is Real, um, The Shack, The Invisible, ghost town and probably the most famous is flatliners the original yes i love that one yes by uh directed by joel schumacher um starring um like kevin bacon and uh julia roberts and um keeper sutherland and then they did a terrible terrible goddamn remake with uh um they didn't mind the remake uh why why would you even bother there's it was an unnecessary piece of crap Oh gosh, I forgot. Uh, yeah, I mean the remake has got you know all of the new young hip stars in it. Yes. Um, former uh, Ellen Page, now Elliot Page actor, yes. is the only person I think I know from it. Nina, oh Dina Daubry is in it. She's on. Um, I think I think that's the actress from um, the Vampire Diaries, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she's the actress in the Vampire Diaries. Yeah, I was trying to think of Elliot Page. I didn't want to use the dead name. <laughs> so I mean the original's got like A list stars in it. The sequel's got like one good star i guess yeah <laughs> i mean i was never big i was i was never the big page fan to begin with so i'm not like toting the, the person up as being like you know my top 10 woo this actor but that's all the time we have for this episode of supernatural creatures of lore i really wanted to focus on somebody with a near-death experience more so than the uh what happens to uh, sam and dean in the episode uh but uh that was uh quite the earful to to get because again, I don't have any experience with it. The closest I've come to a near-death experience, and I'll get into this real quick, was I had um, my appendix was killing me, and I had 
like this really dream like seek like uh, visions when I was in the hospital but that was mainly because I had a fever of 104 in the chills so but we're really out of time Mel why don't you give away your social media at Mel Heflin everywhere you can think of and I do other podcasts here on the Radio Horror Network this is the Dead TV podcast and Vampires Movie Minute and Podcast where we are wrapping up what we do in the shadows and about to begin in a couple months Vampire Hunter D the anime and also uh, check out my graphic novel a lot of a Dracula tale and we'll be back in a couple weeks in about a month or so with another exciting episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore have a good night good night everybody thanks for tuning in in the shadows you can hear